What's Up Whittier. Welcome to What's Up Whittier, a homegrown podcast. A podcast to showcase Whittier's businesses, personalities, and hidden treasures. What's up, Whittier? Dun, da, da, da. Remo. Hey, Jesse. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, man. That's right. This is our first podcast of the year. I heard you got no, two more kids yeah. after the since then, and yeah. they got married, and I'm not even going to take them to the wedding. Grandpa-to-be? Yeah. I don't know, man. It feels like time is just flying. Yeah. It's flying too fast. And and it, the funny thing is I, I, I'm still saying Happy New Year to most people that I, I haven't seen in a while. Um, and the the way people react to me are like, Happy New Year! Like where, yeah. where you been? Fourth of July. <laughs> yeah, it's happy. It's Valentine's already. It's it's a St. Patty's Day. It's like you know, um, but it, that just tells you how fast life is going. And uh, like they say, when you're enjoying something, it's just uh, time just flies, right? So so that says a lot. Yeah. Um, but again, uh, uh, welcome to all those listeners who are who are listening uh, today. Obviously, we're we're in a very unique space. Um, Probably the most unique space we've we've done a podcast in. Uh, I, but you very unique, but at the same time, um, it definitely uh, tr- takes you somewhere else. Like like it, it feels like you've been transported somewhere other than Whittier. Uh, just because uptown Whittier. Too. <laughs> just kidding. That, well, again, you walk in and it's like uh, you don't you don't feel like you're still in Whittier. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and for those that have not been here, obviously, we'll, if if you ever get the opportunity to come and, and tour the building, it's an awesome building. Um, and uh, if you haven't seen the post yet, we're obviously at the Artisan in Uptown Whittier on Bright. And today's guest, which is a guest who I think I've been trying to get on forever, uh, we have Mark. Uh, and for those that don't know Mark, we'll get to know who he is and, and obviously his story. Uh, and again, just conversations that we've had it you know when me and Remo are talking it's like man Mark be the person to get on the inter- on the podcast so with that introduction uh Mark if you can introduce yourself and uh tell us who you are okay my name is Mark Bolin um uh been here in Whittier most of my life um went to school down in San Diego at Point Loma College and um graduated there back in 87 so that you can tell I'm an old man now probably I still feel young because I have young kids and a young wife and and um and enjoying life in North Idaho. Uh my heart is still here in Whittier because I grew up here and have lots of family and friends here still. So uh even though I've been gone up in Idaho, I have great ties and roots here and and brings me back all the time. So um plus I invested a lot here in Whittier um, earlier on before I left, and and it's caused me to have to come back and forth. You've been around in Whittier. I mean, you grew up here in Whittier. Um, obviously, you have family here. Mm-hmm. You've heavily invested in, in Whittier for a long time. Yeah. Um, tell us about where you, I mean, did you go to school here locally? Uh, yeah, I went to a little school that's now shut down. It's called Mar Vista Elementary School on into East Whittier Junior High. And then into Lucerna High School. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, so I grew up here at the age of, I think we moved here when I was two. No way. And so I've been around, I'm 59 now. I've um, uh, been here a long time. Yeah. Uh, went away to school down in San Diego at Point Loma College and ended up staying down there uh, well after I graduated and enjoyed that for, I think, 11 or 12 years. And then returned back uh, to Whittier to help out with a family business because my father got sick and uh that used to be uh a place called king richard's antique center there off of woody boulevard we my dad and i turned uh an old packing house which is the last packing citrus uh sunkiss oranges uh packing house plant left standing in la county in fact wow um i think they turned the anaheim packing plant uh uh into uh, commercial use, and I heard that they did a really good job with that. In fact, mm-hmm. I'm actually having a meeting with a guy that is trying to do the same thing with uh, with King Richards today uh, after this meeting. So so you said you guys moved here when you were two. Where did you guys come from? Well, that's funny. Um, I'm actually from, I was born in Lancaster. Interesting. Uh, my dad and my mom actually grew up in a town called Mojave. 
Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, and so my dad was born in Mojave. There wasn't any medical offices or hospital there, so he's born in the house. And mm-hmm. and um, and my dad tells me I was conceived in Red Rock Canyon, someplace. I think it was a joke, though. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, Only told you as you got older. Yeah. <laughs> it's been, so I used to tease my mom about that, but uh, <laughs> she assures me that that's not true. Uh, but uh, then. Um, they traveled from Mojave, the town of Mojave, which is just a railroad podunk town, yeah, uh, to uh, Lancaster to have me. And wow. then when I was two, they moved to Whittier. Uh, is there a reason why you guys came to Whittier? Like, like oh, I, th- I think my dad uh, obviously wanted to get out of Mojave and and uh, and you know start being able to make some money for his family and and raise his family and. Uh, when he first be uh, when he first got into uh, after he, you know he got married uh, he, he was actually uh, a pastor um, he went to seminary school and and I asked my dad I said how come you gave up being a pastor he says well back in those days in the town of Mojave they uh, wanted to pay you with with green potatoes <laughs> and uh, and it wasn't enough uh, they, I didn't make enough money to get back and forth between at that time he was in Bakersfield. To get back and forth in, in his car, he couldn't afford the gas, and so, uh, and he certainly couldn't afford to support a family. So he moved to Whittier, and and he got into um, the mobile home business early on, mm. uh, uh, with a with a, a group of guys, and ended up building like over fifty five mobile home parks. Wow! In his day, and and um, so that's where he learned how to buy real estate and structured deals and. And uh, and he told me later on when I was growing up, he says, uh, you know, there was a lot of deals out there that I should have bought that I didn't buy, but I was only thinking of that property for the purpose of one use, and that was for mobile home park. And there was many other opportunities that he passed up on because he was narrow-minded on it, and and he taught me not to be narrow-minded on anything, just think out of the box on in every way and to see the potential in everything. Yeah. 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 And that's an art. That's something that you don't read in a book. That's something that you go through experiences and then you realize, you know what, you could do this many. Obviously, architect is a perfect example of of knowing all the uses because that's really where the opportunity in a lot of the properties or lands usually is. It's what other things can you do with it. That's true. Yeah. With with going back to, uh, obviously, that's when you were born. It was some time ago. Lancaster was a lot different. Mojave was, was what, one population of 20, <laughs> you know, I can only imagine. Yeah. Well, there, they How had the they... Air Force Base there, oh, and that's, that's the reason right. why it was that's there, right. and, it. and plus it's a railroad stopping point. Got and... it. Yeah, because, you know, as, I, as, as making it to Whittier, did, was there original connections that were here that got you guys here, or you guys just, you know? I, you know, I don't know. I was two, so... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I, I believe that he, he had met some people that uh, was um, influencing him to and encouraging him to come because they saw some potential in him. You know, mm-hmm. I think the potential initially is that you know my father was a, a man of great character and mm-hmm. um, likability and trust. And when you have those things going for you, you opportunities mm-hmm. open up for yeah. you. Yeah. You know, if you don't have great character and if you're not honest if you're not yeah. likable it's hard to to uh, create opportunities for you yeah. you either got to be uh, a people person or you got to be kind of a book smart person and and figure it out on your own mm-hmm. yeah. uh, it's way better to to know people and yeah longevity is in that yeah. good character yeah. and, and yeah. Uh, life is much people. more rewarding when you're doing it with people that you know and like and trust yeah, yeah. So I, I want to go back to King Richard's because, I, I mean, that's huge, right? I mean, talk about just an iconic building, um, the history that that building itself carries, but what it means uh, historically here in Whittier and what it's become, mm-hmm. I mean, it's 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 very significant. Um, so you say your dad started the King Richard's uh, uh, yeah. I, I building? Uh, or So he, yeah, he he found that property and, and he bought it for... A unbelievable amount. I think he paid three bucks a foot for it. Wow! You know, including all the land, but it was very run down and mm. uh, mostly abandoned. And 
And I remember as a kid when it rained, we the whole family would go down there and and we'd have uh, you know plastics buckets <laughs> inside the building, you know, creating um, gutters inside the building out of plastic to catch all the the rainwater going into big barrels with pumps and and hoses going out to the the backyard area of the property and and just trying to keep that place from flooding yeah when it rained and so i grew up uh you know from an early age we it was all hands on deck as a family uh and when it rained you know we're all night long is just trying to keep that place from you know, the roof was bad. I mean, everything was bad on that property yeah. uh, back back then. But then when my father bought it, uh, he, you know, slowly started to improve it and fix up a, an area at a time and and then lease out a little bit and, and more. And next thing you know, you got, I think it's about 110,000 square feet Wow! Uh, that uh, we've improved. So I learned how to do construction Plumbing, electrical, carpentry, roofing, I mean, you name it, uh, at an early age, uh, at a necessity, you know, to, to, help my, help, to help my family. Yeah. And, and then my father exposed me to, you know, a lot of construction. Um, he had put me on jobs with uh, his friends that had, uh, that were developing homes and apartments. And I think I've been involved with every type of construction outside of building the bridge, I think. I've wow. done high-rise construction. I was yeah. in the Orange, Orange County Carpenters Union doing high-rise uh, when I was in college and helping, you know, trying to put myself through school, uh, that kind of stuff. Now, the King Richard <coughs> Antique Shop start as that? Was that his vision when he bought it? Did yeah, you that's say? a good question. Uh, so uh, he had this vacant building, and he had to fill it up with something, otherwise he's going to lose it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so uh, I remember the day that he came to the family at the table, and we, he said, I heard about this um, this other packing house in the town of Redlands, uh, California, and uh, we need to go out there and see what they did with their packing house. And so we drove out there, and and uh, the guy turned it into an antique mall. Back then, I think it was the very first antique mall that I know of, uh, that was even done, and uh, so it was a new concept back in those days, and I, th- I think that was like in the mid seventies. And um, we went and looked at that packing house. It was not nearly as big as as the one that my father had, but uh, uh, went and looked at that packing house, and we discovered that they were creating these booths, and that they were you know renting out, and they charge a percentage and. And uh, and he says, I think that this is the answer that we're going to do because uh, who's going to rent a big antique, yeah. uh, a, a big warehouse, hundred thousand square feet, <laughs> hundred thousand square feet in the city of Whittier back in the seventies yeah. yeah. with all wood flooring, yeah. and you can't run forklifts on it because the forklift yeah. wheels would fall through the floor, and and uh, you know you just can't, you know it's not a great industrial use of a building. People want concrete floors and yeah. tall ceilings and. And uh, where they can put lots of pallet racks up, and you know you could do that, mm-hmm. but you have to have a really lightweight forklift. And and uh, anyways, uh, Dad's idea was if I could take an industrial building by for industrial use and somehow convert it into commercial use, so you're getting a commercial value out of it. Um, and really, he was just trying to figure out a way to generate some income off of this old mm-hmm. structure and. And the antique business seemed like it was a, a, a great business. fit yeah. for that building. And so next thing you know, I'm building partitions. And, <laughs> and I said, well, Dad, uh, we don't know anything about antiques. What are we going to do? I mean, uh, he says, we don't have to know anything about antiques. He says, we're just going to rent out space that, yeah. to people who do. If you build it, they will yeah. come. <laughs> and uh, so next thing I know, he found some... Uh, some uh, museum, roadside museum that this guy had, that people were donating mm-hmm. things to him. They thought that it was he was a 501c3 museum, and he wasn't. He just said he was a museum, and people were dropping off motorcycles and cars and you know equipment to him that you know of historical value and and donating things to his roadside museum. Well, he got old, and he decided to sell everything all at once, and. Um, and uh, my father found out about it. So the next thing you know, we're having 
we're going out to Pennsylvania, and when I forget the I forget the town or where it was. I was just a little guy, uh, but we're loading uh, several trucks, you know, semis, uh, mm-hmm. containers full of uh, of every kind of old artifact you can think of. Mm-hmm. And my dad bought the entire museum from the fella, and he says we're going to move all this stuff and put it in 10,000 square feet of this building to start with. And, uh, and that way we have some old stuff to attract people to come and bring their stuff. And, and that's how he started it. He bought an old museum and stuck it in there and we started selling that stuff off. And well, the next thing you know, everyone thinks you're, you know, this guru antique, (laughs) you know, uh, guy that knows everything about old stuff. And that wasn't true. (laughs) Uh, if we just had happened to have a whole bunch of old stuff in there, <laughs> and next thing you know, people are t- trying to sell you stuff. That's funny. And uh, and it, it 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 actually grew. And and uh, and my dad uh, and I we we didn't know what we were doing. We we're just hey, there's an opportunity to buy it. You know, uh, we felt we'll figure like, it out um, later. <laughs> hey, uh, there's got to be another idiot out there just as just like me that's willing to pay the same price for it. So you know, if you if you own something. You control the destiny of that item, mm-hmm. be it real estate or a car or a motorcycle or an antique table, whatever it might be. Uh, if you have control of that, then you control the destiny of that, and that means you control the opportunity that is generated off of owning that that item. And when there's a profit to be made, you turn it and turn your money and do it again. Nice. And so we learned how to buy and sell and and to be fearless about buying anything really uh, because if you didn't sell it you know you know there's always another guy like yourself that is willing to pay the same amount of money I mean the the worst case scenario you get your money back the best case scenario you turn a profit yeah, yeah. so we learned how to turn a profit on lots of stuff nice. and it was a busy busy childhood yeah. <laughs> and how long did it take for King Richard to get filled up from when you guys oh, first? Shoot. Was... Uh, my father grew that from uh, 10,000 square feet to 20 to 30 to 40. And we kept it on opening and on more and more space. And, uh, it, you know, he had different parts of the building leased out to furniture stores. Like uh, back back when waterbeds were popular, uh, he had uh, the waterbed gallery in there. And they had their first showroom in there and their warehouse in the back and and then I got tired of working for my dad, so I went to work for that company and, you know, doing, setting up waterbeds and, and, uh, and working the loading docks at night after school and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and doing that for a while. But, um, yeah. Where does the name King Richards come from? Well, that's funny because uh, uh, he had a business partner named Jim Slefkoff. He's They're both passed on now. And, uh, and Jim wanted to name it after my father. Uh, so my father's name is Richard Bolin, and uh, so they got the idea. Well, let's do something kind of royal because it's antiques or you know from the old days, and so he wanted to press uh, that was called King Richard. Well, my father refused it. Well, mm-hmm. both sides of the family decided to take a vote, and that's what ended up happening. He got outvoted. <laughs> so they named it after most after people him. would want the opposite. Sure, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. name it after me. Yeah, he was a humble guy. Yeah. Nice, nice. Uh, obviously, we talk about uh, King Richards and its history and, and how it, it kind of started. Yeah. Um, uh, we're in the Artisan Building, um, and for those that don't know, obviously, it's it's on Bright, and it's an office building, office space. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about this building, because um, Persis has also a unique story. Sure. Uh, well, this building, um, I think it's somewhere around 21,000 square feet. Uh, I believe I got some, like, 34 tenants or something like that in here right now. Um, it's constantly evolving. Uh, it's hard to, it's generally pretty difficult to get a space in here because uh, uh, most people don't like to give up their space. So I'm uh, um, constantly trying to upgrade the building and, and uh, make it better and better for people to enjoy. And I try to keep, because of my background being in, involved in old structures and, and antiques and things like that. I, and I fell in love with old architecture. Um, I, I've implemented, uh, lots of old, 
you know, architectural artifacts into the building, you know, old doors, old hardware, old lighting, and, um, and uh, try to keep the, the uh, historical significance of the building intact as much as I possibly can. Yeah. And um, expose my wall, my brick walls and concrete and columns and, and, uh, and, and let that be my finished look as opposed to trying to cover things up. Uh, when I first bought this building, it was um, what well, was known as the, uh, the old general telephone building. But mm. prior to that, somebody told me that part of the building was a hotel. I think the piece that we're in right now Interesting. was an old hotel or something like that. I think old hotels back then was mean meant that you had a room with a with a bathroom that's common bathroom that's shared amongst everyone back in the day. You know, mm-hmm. you walk down the hallway and use the bathroom in the shower type thing. Um, there was no uh, evidence of that uh, when I purchased it because the the fellow before me tried to take this building and modernize it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he put in hollow corridors and bright brass handles everywhere and commercial carpet. And I think there was like four different layers of uh, drop ceiling over the years, you know, in the building. And um, it was, you know, you try back then they, you know, people were, the trend was that you take an old building and try to make it look new and modern to keep up with the new buildings that are being built to attract tenants. And, Mm Uh, when I found this building, I said, hey, the way you should go with this is to get rid of all that stuff and go back to the old style. That's what people are really looking for, the old mm-hmm. lofty type look. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I ripped all that stuff out and put, I went to wrecking yards in Spokane, Washington and and all over the country, really, and, and uh, uh, located old doors and hardware and, and, uh, and implemented all those artifacts into the building that was period correct to the 1920s and 1930s, yeah. uh, which is you know what this building dates back to. And also, so obviously you say old, but it's not that it's like old, like cheap old. It's old in the sense that it has it fits the period of what you're trying to go with in terms of the the style and the look. Uh, it's a very industrial space, uh, industrial building. Uh, you, and when I was saying at the beginning about you, when you walk into this building, you kind of get transported somewhere else. I'm thinking more like you see this more like in downtown L.A., right. these really old buildings, these really, very artistic buildings, right. um, and, and it's a loft kind of feel, right? Yeah. Um, is that what you were going for? I mean, the name, where does the name come from? And, and, and well, where is it? it was known as the, the old General Telephone Company. So when I first bought this, there was actually telephone cable all over the place. I mean, I took out truckloads and truckloads. I can't tell you how many truckloads I've took uh, of a uh, telephone wire I took out. And, ba- and back in those days, telephone wire was cased encased in lead. Mm. Uh, so uh, you'd have you know two hundred pair of wire of telephone wire, and the out you know, the outer quarter uh, uh, outside of that wire was not plastic. It was. Lead. <laughs> it was lead, and so pulling the cable out was really heavy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and we had a there was a lot of removal of the old uh, to get down to the architecture, and then of course we sandblasted the in, the entire building inside and out. You know the floors, walls, and ceilings, and the exterior of the building all got sandblasted, and that was a pretty costly and painful process to endure and go through. Um, but boy, uh, when you get all that done and then you put a coat of clear over, over concrete and brick and, and, uh, and you, you polish out your concrete floors, uh, you know, the place comes alive and, yeah. and then people fall in love with it cause it does have that old loft look to it, industrial yeah. look to it. And, and, uh, but, you know, back in those days you, you had a, a building like a general telephone company. Uh, they built those like old bank buildings. I bought yeah. I bought in bank buildings, uh, water towers to uh, Southern California Edison buildings. Any, anything that's um, utilitarian, I have found uh, has great architecture and and great bones because they generally overbuild those buildings to be really strong and and um, uh, to withstand earthquakes and to yeah. withstand uh, the test of time. Uh, like an old bank building would be 
you know, very costly and destructible. To, to yeah, <laughs> they, they they make them strong. Yeah. And so I was attracted to that kind of a structure as opposed to a stick frame stucco type building. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so the artisan, where does that come from? So I, when I first bought the building, uh, the guy had a hard time leasing it out, and uh, so it seemed like the only type of tenant that he could uh, attract is you know, the quote-unquote starving artist. Mm. And uh, so he's just renting out cheap space to anybody. Mm. And there was uh, quite a number of people that were in here that were, in those days, starving artists. And, and, um, and I like the arts, and, uh, and I appreciate what artists do. And I was, you know, I've... Uh, I've always been attracted to, you know, creative-type-minded people. And um, so instead of kicking everyone out, which I couldn't afford to do at that time, um, I wanted to, to go with the flow, and that was, well, uh, let's, let's improve it and make it better for everyone and attract more of those people because I think at the time it was only like 20% occupied. Okay. And... Um, so we would improve an area, and another artist would come. And next thing I know, I had a building filled with artists. I'm going, and all my friends were saying that own property in the area. They're all saying, "Hey, Mark, what the heck are you doing? <laughs> you, uh, you're, you're renting your building out to these artists. How are you collecting your rent? I mean, can yeah. they? Are you able to make your mortgage payment and this and that? And and I learned that many of these artists are actually doing pretty good. Yeah. And I actually didn't want to tell my friends what was happening because <laughs> take some of your tenants. <laughs> yeah. And uh and actually these guys were doing very well and I had one artist that was uh you know building um you know stained glass panels and and lamps for green green type homes in Pasadena and and even the, in the Manhattans across the country and and uh he would sell his stuff for 30 and 40,000, you know. Yeah. Uh, a pane of glass, and and uh, I didn't want my friends to know that I had found a, a niche market of uh, really talented uh, artists, and I learned that if I can create a really cool space for them to to be creative in, instead of getting the, giving them, you know, four walls that are all drywall with drop ceiling and commercial carpet, it's hard to be creative. Mm-hmm. In a space like that, and, you know, so now you're giving them high ceilings, polished concrete floors, brick walls, and a couple of clean walls, so it looks, you know, um, tidy and modern. Uh, but it, you're marrying the new with the old, and it, it creates an area. And they put a really cool old industrial door on there uh, with hardware. Uh, it creates a, a a unique space for them, allows them to be creative. And it helps them uh, in their flow of their creative juices. And and uh, next thing you know, I had a demand for space here. Uh, all my friends were saying, hey, how are you still pulling off? I said, oh, yeah, well, they, they struggle. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I'm working with them. But the truth was they were all doing great. Nice. And they were, was, I've had medical buildings. I've taken you know, bank buildings and turned them into you know, medical uses and leased out stuff even to the Woodrow Presbyterian Hospital in, in an old bank building. And I learned that um, uh, it was way more enjoyable to lease a space to an artist and walk by and see what they're working on as opposed to walking to some sterile office where yeah. somebody's shuffling paper and talking on the phone. Uh, that wasn't enjoyable for me at all or, or fun. And, uh, and not only that, but... It seemed to me that I was struggling just to collect rents from hospitals and and <laughs> the opposite, yeah. and attorneys. Yeah. Uh, you know, I just uh, uh, you know not to say that I didn't always uh, bet a thousand with everyone I chose to come into the building, but um, uh, we have great synergy in this building, uh, a great family atmosphere. Everyone watches out for each other. Uh, everyone feels like they're 
like in Cheers, where Norm comes walking yeah. in and he's got his chair. Well, that's that's Norm's chair here. You know, yeah. that's that's how people feel here yeah. in the and building. I, and I will say this: when you walk past the front door, again from the outside, it, it's a, a very nondescriptive building. Uh, as soon as you step through the front door, you definitely feel the creativeness, uh, right. whether it's present or past, of what the building would have uh, or has. Right. Um, and again, it, it, it sparks a different mindset in terms of, like, again, sparking that creativity. Um, and so when you talk about designing a space that it could successfully um, do or function as you want it to function, it, this is an example of that, where you're able to create that. Um, and again, you don't see this. Uh, I, I have not seen something similar here in Whittier, um, but you do see, the, see this more again in a more dense area, which is like downtown LA and so forth. Sure. So, how do you get to this point? Is this all like remodel over a long period of time? Because there's some finishes on in here, and just how everything comes together, or is it a process of you start at one point of the room and you keep kind of improving? Like you mentioned the doors, uh, yeah. for example. Yeah, yeah, good question. Uh, yeah, so it's it's happened over the years. This is one of the first. This one, this particular building is one of the first commercial buildings I ever bought. Um, and when I first bought this, this, uh, this building it hasn't been an easy building to restore, mm-hmm. and you have to put a lot of heart and mind into it and thought uh, to do it right. Um, Either you fall in love with what you do or you kind of do it haphazardly. Uh, well, this building deserved, you know, thoughtfulness and mm-hmm. and and taking it slow and putting the right mm-hmm. things in here, the right type of doors, and, and you have to go find that stuff. So you can't just go down and pull Home that Depot. off the shelf, <laughs> yeah. you know. And uh, and then from owning King Richards, I had a uh, – I, I kept a – after selling King Richards – uh, I kept a little business that I had called Crown Furniture Repair, and uh, and the guys that work there are fantastic, and and uh, and so I kept that business going over these years. Still have it, and I've run all all my architectural stuff through there. So if I find an old door that's got paint on it, we'll strip it down and and refinish it and put a coat of clear on it, and and next thing you know we're implementing that. And then you have to have a really good finished carpenters to put all that kind of stuff in because that's not the traditional thing that you would normally hang a door like that it's got to be something that's got to be custom built so uh, i have i've had really great help one thing about having uh finding the right building and finding the right structure to to do is one thing uh it's a whole nother thing finding the right people to come alongside you and and have them help Mm -hmm. you uh, like having you, Jesse, has been great. You know, you're a fantastic architect, and having uh, guys like you of great character, great skill sets, uh, great communication uh, skills. Um, Jesse, <laughs> Jesse, yeah, to uh, to to come alongside me and help me through these processes is is invaluable. Um, just and along with a, a great plumber and a great electrician, an air conditioning guy, and. Yeah. You know, finished carpenter. I mean, on and on it goes. Uh, but I've I've been blessed with really good employees too that uh, that have had my heart and my vision and and my back and a lot of things that's allowed me to go back and forth and and uh, leave uh, with great confidence, knowing that I'm in good hands. Yeah. So it, and also important. It, it definitely. It's always key. And I, I think you, knowing. What helps is having somebody know where they want to go to is important. Mm. Uh, and I say this because um, obviously you have great vision for whatever you, you have in front of you. Uh, the building right across the street, uh, a local fixture, oh. um, you, you've owned that building and the adjacent building next to it uh, where you have the communications building, that smaller one, right? Yeah, and then uh, flight. Uh, flight, yeah. The restaurant flight, we did that. And uh, and, you, and I mean, walk, walk us through that. Uh, um, so I, you know, I had the the telephone company here on Bright that we turned it, that we called it, the the reason why we called it the Artisan, because it was filled with artists to answer your question back, <laughs> back you know, five minutes ago. Uh, and I just thought that that was a great name for this building. Plus, that name attracts more of the like. Yeah, mm-hmm. and um, and and I wanted to to attract creative minded people that were interesting, and that's why uh, I named it the Artisan Building, as opposed to 
you know, Bailey's office building or something like that, you yeah. know. <coughs> Excuse me. But having this building, I watched the Southern California Edison buildings, were, which were across the street, uh, which were uh, their payment offices. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, they had their payment offices there, and and one day they vacated it. And uh, so by the time I inquired on it, it was already in escrow through somebody else. And, uh, and I inquired on it again, and apparently it had fallen out of escrow, and I had an opportunity to buy it and ended up buying it directly from Southern California Edison. And uh, and they sold me that those buildings there. There's, I don't know if they knew that there's three buildings there at the time, uh, three separate parcels because you know the facade on it was all looked like one structure, mm-hmm. one one building. And uh, and uh, when I had purchased it from them, and their their guy walked me out to the car and said, hey what were you looking at when you looked at all the escrow papers? And I said, well, I was just making sure that all three parcels were listed down in there. And, and he said, what do you mean all three parcels? You bought one building. And I said, no, I bought three buildings. <laughs> it just has one facade. Yeah. There's three separate parcels there. And I think had they known that they had uh, three separate parcels, they, they probably would have sold it three separate yeah. times and mm-hmm. made quite a bit more money. And yeah. Anyways, back in those days, uh, they just sold it to me, and they had uh, Southern California Edison is one of the largest property owners in in the country, um, and uh, they have their own real estate division, and and uh, so was able. To, <laughs> Not a good one, obviously. Right? <laughs> well, I, th- I think they're pretty. They're no, pretty I'm, smart people, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, without question. But yeah. um, I think this one slipped slipped yeah. in the cracks on them. In yeah. that building, as you walk in through flight or not flight, uh, local fixture, you still have the Edison uh, yeah, emblem. Yeah, I retained that. Uh, in order to get the city to allow me to uh, develop that into a commercial use and do what I did, uh, they approach, you know, back in the, I think at the 30s, uh, back then didn't have an ADA compliance C there. and. You know this, Jesse. Uh, yeah. Uh, I had to create a handicap ramp yeah, of yeah. some sorts, and and that meant that I was going to lose the terrazzo yeah. uh, floor that was there, and it even had uh, the Edison name there. And so, it's the original floor, right? Yeah, the original yeah. floor. And so I had to rip out, with reluctantly, I, I hated to, to tear out anything historical or... Uh, you know that was original to the building. I'd just yeah. love to keep it as original as I possibly can, but I had to make it ADA compliant. And and uh, uh, so in doing that, we cut out the old Edison terrazzo sign that was in the ground, mm-hmm. and I carefully relocated it in the new concrete and poured concrete around it and tried to you know uh, keep it there. At least I was able to salvage that and put it back in the ground. Yeah. Uh, why I created a new ramp for the building. And, and you walk on the in- obviously there's a major improvements on the outside, but once you, same thing once you walk in the inside, you're walking into a different building, right? Yeah, it's um, a, it's a fantastic building. Uh, uh, that one sat for a while. It's stockpiling properties there for a while. I, I was buying them quicker than I can restore them. Mm-hmm. Um, and that one turned out fantastic. It's got that bow truss ceiling. In fact, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. again, it had several different drop ceilings in there, mm-hmm. and along with a hard lid. And we tore all that out and um, exposed all the ductwork and all the the bow truss ceilings and the all that old dug fir wood that's there. And you know, the bow truss ceilings are some of the strongest roofs you can have yeah. i mean they're stru- they're structurally just wonderful you can put a chain across those trusses and lift a truck up yeah um but uh yeah so when i first went to buy those buildings uh you know, they took me in and let me look and they were trying to give me a tour of the building say show me this office or this conference room and this hallway <laughs> and this that i'm going I don't, i'm not interested in any of that stuff i just want to go up and in the ceiling in the attic yeah. <laughs> and I, I i i asked them i said hey 
do you mind if you guys don't give me a tour and just let me run through here? I'll be back and just sit down. I'll be back in 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah. I said, uh, the only thing I have to ask of you is how do I get up in the attic? And so they took me in this closet that had an access panel in it. And I jumped up in there with a flashlight, spent my entire 10 minutes up there in the attic. And, uh, and when I was done, I came down. I said, hey, I'm ready to go. Let's, let's buy it. And they said, you spent all your time up there? You didn't look at any of the rooms? I said, well. But the conference room. None, none <laughs> yeah. of the rooms were going to stay. It's got a nice carpet. Yeah. They we're getting rid of all this stuff that's in here. I'm going to open up the entire building, yeah. including the, uh, I just wanted to expose that roof, that, that ceiling, rather, mm-hmm. and, um, and have the height in there. And that's what mattered to me. And you talk about two iconic businesses that are there right now, right? You got flight. You have a local fixture. And how, like, those two businesses themselves are so well matched with the interior of that building. Like, yeah. it, it, it's like it was almost custom made for them, you know? Yeah. Um, and again, it, it, that's when you know great planning uh, it was done well and well thought of to be able to create a space like that. Yeah, I, I you know, I, I never know who's going to come and occupy a building when I do a building. I just know. That if I do it for my, you know, as if I was going to move into it, yeah, um, and make it as nice as I I would want it to be for me to occupy it, yeah, that it's going to attract a lot of other people, and um, and if you do a space nice enough, you can a- attract the right type of tenant, yeah, that uh, that will occupy that space. You you have a choice. You're not just married to whoever walks in your door and says hey i want to get an application to take your space and um it's a lot nicer when you have 30 guys trying to take the space and you can pick and choose whose business plan is the best and who you like the most yeah Yeah. usually who you like the most is who you rent to yeah because they're going to be successful people likable people will end up being successful was the space prior to flight uh, did it have any kind of kitchen or anything? It was an open space like uh, local fixture. You mean flight itself or yeah. local fixture? No, uh, flight itself. Was it- so flight, uh, it was uh, uh, another building and that was that was more open, but still we had to gut that. And we did that one first. Uh, when I first bought all three of those buildings I in, in where local fixture is, I just quickly leased that out to a dance studio that was local here. Um they end up being a train wreck for me. Uh, but at any rate, I won't say who they are. Um, uh, but they quickly moved in there, and that generated some income, um, enough to pay Southern California Edison their mortgage payment because they carried the note there for a while mm. um, for a short term. And and then the the smaller building where uh, the debt, the uh, telephone company is, is... Um, uh, um, that one sat vacant for a while because I couldn't get to it. And I, I started working on the, the middle building where flight is. And mm-hmm. um, and my idea on that was even then, uh, that was 5,200 square feet. Back in those days, people didn't want that much space in Whittier. Mm. Now, you, now you can build a huge building and people will take it. You know, yeah. But you know, the more space you had, the harder it was to lease out yeah. as far as it was one Tenant. Tenant. Yeah. So I threw a wall down the middle and made two units out of it. And uh, and then Nakomi came to me and with a bunch of her girlfriends from uh, Whittier College and said that she wanted to, she had an idea to put a wine tapas-type food bar inside, uh, uh, inside the building. And... Um, uh, back then, she was going to call flight Abluche. I remember that. And I said, what's Abluche? I mean, she's almost kind of like a toast. Just a name that we, us girls, made up in college. <laughs> and I said, okay. And, well, uh, that quickly got disbanded because the girls didn't uh, see eye to eye on a lot of things. And and in the end, Nakomi and her wonderful husband, Jay, mm-hmm. Uh, came to me and said, hey, uh, we're going to do this anyways without them. And I said, I like that idea better because hmm. uh, now it's a family business and uh, you guys are a much better partner 
than you would uh, have uh, with a bunch of girls that, mm-hmm. you know, have different mindsets. Uh, and they've done extremely well. So uh, we built out our, a kitchen for them and put all that in. And and uh, they've been going hard ever since the opening day. Uh, yeah, yeah. They're a wonderful, wonderful group of people and a wonderful restaurant. I think it's been one of the most popular restaurants in town for yeah, quite some time. Yeah. Now. Definitely a staple. Probably been here one of the yeah. longest in yeah. this area. Yeah. What what other building do you have that, that has great, great uh, history to it? Or that you've owned that you say, man, that building was... Oh, shoot. I know you have a lot, but it, like, is there one that stands out that you're like, man, that that uh, that building there is here in Whittier or in other towns? Here in Whittier. Um, well, I just recently did a building over there close to King Richards. Uh, I think my dad'd be rolling in his grave right now if he knew that I owned the property uh, next door to it. Um, I bought three lots over there with an old Craftsman house and a six thousand square foot industrial building and. Back then, when I purchased it, it was uh, it was being used for rehabilitation for um, Down syndrome kids, and, and it was a great facility for for that purpose. Uh, I was told that when uh, Obama came in, um, the funding for that got taken out from underneath the feet and it forced them to sell. Mm. Uh, I ended up purchasing it from them, and. Um, uh, and we've uh, we've turned that around, but I don't know if it's so historical as as far as I just like the use that it was. It was a community based type building, uh, helping special needs people. And I just I love that whole part of it. I you know being next to that property and being involved with King Richards all these years. I remember looking over the fence and, and watching these people over there and what they did, and I just admired what they were doing. Yeah. For for many years, I had no idea I was going to end up owning the place. Interesting. Uh, but the only reason why I owned it is because their funding got taken out from many yeah. of them, and they had to sell. So, so obviously, you've been around for a long time, and you've seen Whittier change, right? Sure. Um, what is what is what have you noticed? Uh, obviously, growing up, that you've like you've you've seen, and you're like, man, I wish we could have that back again, like because that was very very successful, or or something that you say, you know what, I should have started that. A while back, oh, there's been many opportunities of buying some properties here in the weird that I should have put my hands on, um, uh, and and I often think that if I were to have remained here over the last, I've been up in Idaho now for 28 years, mm-hmm. uh, and if I were full time here, uh, I I often think to myself, hey, what would that have been like? Because I'm much more invested up there in Idaho than I ever have been down here now. Um, You know, uh, and so I think to myself, you know, what would that have looked like? I mean, uh, but there's some neat buildings here in Whittier. Whittier's got a lot to offer. Uh, There's some some great history here. Uh, There's some great structures here. And uh, when I was buying stuff here, it felt like I was the only one that was making a difference or making improvements on properties. And I thought, well, maybe I'm, maybe I'm missing something, you know, why is why am I doing this? I'm, I felt like I was the only one doing it. Um, uh, but now, uh, there's, there's all kinds of, uh, influence here and people are pouring, all kinds of investments in here and, and developing all uh, new buildings here and, and old buildings here, and it's been great. Well, I'll say this, and, and I don't know about what your take is, Remo, but I think that what you've been doing, whether you uh, attribute it to obviously growing up in a, in a kind of um, uh, antique, you know, collecting and reselling, uh-huh. or, or it's just your style, um, it def- definitely influences on how buildings right now that are existing should be renovated. I'm seeing a lot of new buildings or older buildings that are becoming new buildings, um, and it's just, like you said, it's more going in the what's hip, what's trending. Sure. And um, I, I don't think it blends. It blends well. Um, the the When I realized that even more was when we took a tour um, at the Red Cross building. Oh yeah. Um, have you been to Red yeah. Cross building? Oh man, you gotta go if I you ever get a chance. Building. It's uh, where's the Red Cross building? 
It's right here. It's over by the park. Right around the corner here. Oh, what is this? Um, Off of Bailey, I think. Yeah, Bailey and uh, oh, right Central, by the post uh-huh. office. Yeah, 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 yeah. Central Park. Mm-hmm. Um, again, very cool building from the outside. You walk in, and me and Mark uh, are looking at it. He's like, man, I, you got to check out this building. And instead of giving me the whole tour uh, first, right, he's trying to get me to pop my head through the ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> Bring your ladder, Jesse. Yeah, yeah it's, I mean, yeah. no, it's it's a great, great property. Uh, you know, when you remember Leba Lessons, yeah. who's done some great things here in Whittier. She's yeah. passed on now, unfortunately. Uh, she became a good friend, and um, she wanted to do a joint venture with me on that building. We were pursuing that until she got cancer, and um, and I didn't feel comfortable about pursuing that any further uh with without her and uh with her passing on i didn't want to take advantage of that um but boy uh that's a great structure the problem with that is that the property doesn't have any parking um but boy it's got a great architecture and historical significance and usability and um I, I, I hope that the city works with whoever buys that and, and helps them to keep the significance of that building intact as much as they can, but but bring it to a, a, a use because a building unused is probably one of the worst things you can do yeah. to it. Um, it's way better when they're occupied with people. Yeah. Safer. Uh, it's going to be, you know, preserved better. It's just like if you have an old car and you don't, fire that engine up uh, for 30 years because what happens well the yeah. engine seizes up and you, you haven't done yourself any favors you got to have people in there yeah people are important i've learned that the, the older i get the more important people become uh, and uh, the uh, the better i see things yeah. uh, way more than buildings or or things like, you know you got to have the right people with you and uh, Joining your journey. Mark, did you ever consider the Bank of America building? I did. Uh, I had opportunities to buy that uh, back in the day, and mm-hmm. boy, I came close. I had the whole rent roll and excited about that. That's one of my favorite buildings yeah. uh, here in Whittier, without question. Um, that and the Hoover building that got turned into a uh, uh, senior housing. Right? Senior housing. And back in those days, it, you know, the Hoover building had an old bar in it. Uh, I forget the name of it, but, uh, um, were you ever old enough to go in the bar? Uh, my dad used to take me in there to put back, you know, so I'm going to date myself. <laughs> you remember the, one of the first video games called pong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's just a tabletop with, uh, a, a dial that you would hit this pong back and forth. Well, apparently the guy that owned, uh, that old, I forget the name of that bar, uh, in the Hoover building. Um, he had one of those in there, and my, I had my dad had one at our house, and we played that like crazy. We got really good at it. And well, anyways, uh, the guy that had that old bar said that if you can beat him playing pong, because he had one in there, you get a, a a big sirloin steak dinner for free, and and then he'll give you fifty bucks to boot. So my dad was confident I could beat him, so he drug me in there. Those <laughs> kid to go play him. I'm not gonna play you, but my son's gonna play. You. And I was confident I could beat him, and yeah, but no, he beat me. Really? Wow. <laughs> he thought he, he brought was, the ringer, huh? He was like, he was exceptionally good. Nice. But uh, yeah, that Hoover building is fantastic. Uh, I remember crawling through that building when it was vacant, and uh, I didn't break in, but I certainly got into the building and. And walked through the place when it was filled with pigeons. And that that building is really cool. But getting back to the B of A bank building, I, I think I would have owned that had it not been, because I definitely had the opportunity to buy it and, and I had the money to do it. Uh, and when I had that chance, the uh, the entire building was full, up, you know, from the second floor on up, and the ground floor was vacant. Um, and without that ground floor being leased, it didn't make sense financially. Uh, so you had to find a use for it. And that was a lot of space. Yeah. 
Um, but the facade of the building is owned by the Historical Society. Correct. And also, back then, uh, the elevator was protected by the Historical Society. Uh, and the elevator had a an operator. So there was a, a guy, and you go inside this elevator, and the thing opens up with a mm. folding guard gate on top of that. Um, and you go in there, and there's a guy that would uh, ask you what floor, and he'd take you up. And so if you own that property... You couldn't remodel the outside as far as fixing the windows. You know, who wants to remodel the outside? The outside's beautiful, right? Yeah. But but those windows, those casement windows were horrible. All painted shut and yeah. and uh and you couldn't open them up and and you couldn't take them out to put new ones in because the historical society owned the facade. Yeah. Uh so the prior owner had donated the facade to the historical society. And uh, and then the elevator was also protected from the historical site because it was the only man-operated elevator around. And so the cost of running that elevator, having an employee in there full time yeah. for all the you know all the tenants, mm-hmm. uh, was pretty excessive on top of maintaining it. And it made it at those at that time. Uh, uh, it prohibited me to to buy it because the expenses were so high, yeah. the property tax, the 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 operating costs, and the fact that you couldn't improve those windows and open them up and um, and put new windows in, and you know put uh, dual pane windows in so it's yeah. more economical and keep your heat and air conditioning going. Uh, that's what kept me from buying that building. But boy, it's a neat building and and it's yeah. still one of my favorites. Yeah. Uh, and then Nixon would had it, you know, President Nixon had his very first office upstairs on the top floor yeah. in the corner. Um, so yeah, that's got some history there. So we're going to, we're going to wrap this up. We're going to ask you the Whittier questions. Oh, um, well, if, if, uh, we talked about flight, but is there a place that you like, uh, maybe grab a sandwich, maybe some dinner, or adult cocktail, which would uh, those be? Your go-to, your go-to oh, spots. Well, uh, that's a good question because I have a meeting right after this with uh, the guy that bought all of King Richards in that whole city block, apparently, uh, and uh, and he wants to take me out for lunch. And he's coming up from Newport Beach right now, and I'm trying to think, well, where am we, where are we going to go to lunch? Because he doesn't know <laughs> this question. Right <laughs> yeah. And I and uh, so there's a new place that I'm uh, I've gone to a few times that. Apparently, some of the employees uh, out of flight had started this little sandwich shop off of Penn Street. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a hole-in-wall place, yeah. but they uh, uh, they have some really amazing sandwiches there, and, yeah. and it's kind of a, a, a market at the same time. You can buy noodles or olives and things like that there. So it kind of reminds me of the old Scaris back in the day where mm-hmm. they started off as a deli sandwich place with a – you can buy some – some uh, groceries in there and things like that, like cheese and olives and, you know, things like that. And mm-hmm. uh, so it's called Provisions on yeah. on Penn on Street. Penn. Yeah. Our last and lunch was there. So I think <laughs> I'm going to take this this cat that yeah. I'm meeting with here in a few minutes there for lunch. Nice. And uh, knowing him, he's probably going to try to steal them and put them in one of his buildings. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they're good people over there. And, yeah. um I've only been there a few times, but uh, boy, it's good food. Yeah. yeah. Any other spots that you frequent often when in town? Well, outside of flight, which is you know one of my favorites. Um, uh, yeah, good question. I, I I just recently went to uh, one of my tenants took me to uh, the new brewery in town. What's that one over there off of Comstock? La Bodega. La Bodega. Yeah, yeah. I was impressed with that the other day. Uh, and boy, I've, you know, I've been gone for seven months and there's all kinds of new places that are opening up in the last seven months. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, so this trip, I've been going to that fish market down there where the groves is. And mm-hmm. I think, uh, I've been here for almost two weeks this trip and I think I've eaten there almost every other night. I keep on eating fish and rice over there trying to get healthy. <laughs> but I've enjoyed that um, a lot, but, um, I traditionally like to go to. You know, family-owned and operated-type places. As much yeah. I don't like going to uh, chain-type places yeah. Yeah. As, as much. Are there is there a restaurant that's no longer around that you miss? Well, uh, yeah, um, 
Uh, it's a restaurant that I built a long time ago inside King Richard's called the Sundry Tomato Cafe. No way. If you remember that, that yeah. was an extremely popular place. Um, after I built that inside the, uh, you know, the antique mall got to be so big, we ended up calling it the Ant- King Richard's Antique Center because, you know, uh, you you couldn't go through it all in one day. Uh, it was that big. And, yeah. and then people would, you know, get hungry, and then they'd leave thinking that they're going to come back to finish yeah. walking through the yeah. mall. And so my dad said, hey, we better build a restaurant here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we can keep people here all day long. Well, so we, I built that restaurant. It's like King Richard. It was called the Sundry Tomato Cafe. And that place became so popular that that we didn't have any parking for our customers for the antique mall. And uh, <laughs> it became a problem. Uh, but, boy, they, uh, they end up going to, uh, you know, Laguna and Orange County and in different places. And they end up moving out of there. But, um uh, but yeah, that was a great restaurant back in back yeah, in those days. Nice. If you remember yeah, that, yeah. Was it on the first floor, right in front of the parking? It was right uh, there in the parking yeah, lot. Yeah, yeah, on the I first do floor, remember that. Yeah. Um, is there something in Whittier that um, that that you miss, or, or no? Actually, sorry, a fond memory of Whittier that when you think of Whittier, this memory comes to mind. Mm. Like growing up as a kid, or you know, something that you you see something you always remember. Like, man, I wish, yeah. Well, growing up as a kid, uh, you know, I was always into construction, so, and I was a skateboarder back in the early days. Uh, and so me and two of my buddies built the, one of the very first half pipes here in Whittier. And I remember uh, Whittier Daily News came and did the big article on us. We had a, a uh, we sent away for uh, the plans out of a skateboard magazine for 20 bucks or something like that. And they sent us the plans and, uh, we ended up building a 12 foot high vertical on both ends, uh, half pipe that was, wow. uh, 12 feet wide, 12 feet high. And like, I think it was like 36 or 40 feet long. <laughs> uh, and it was vertical on both sides. And so now we had every kid in the neighborhood coming over, trying to stink in our backyards to, <laughs> to ride that half pipe. And, yeah. Yeah, those are some fun times yeah. back in those days. Uh, this was days. built in, in your home? Uh, it, at one of my friend's house. We built it in the backyard <laughs> of one of my friend's house. In fact, one of the guys, his name is Matt Smith, and my dearest uh, childhood friend. I just had dinner with him last night. Uh, he was one of the guys that we that helped build us that, and, and he is the finest finished carpenter I've ever come across. He's done every piece of molding custom molding to you know door jams and windows and baseboards and a cabinetry in mm-hmm. this entire building that we're standing in now oh. uh, in fact he's done all my buildings here in Woodier, and um i'm trying to get him to finish some more stuff uh, before he retires <laughs> <laughs> so i was talking to him last night uh saying hey i need some more baseboard put in uh, but yeah yeah those, those are some fun times and the last one well, what is one thing that you think Whittier's missing? Wow. Um, like something you come across either in Idaho or, or in different cities that you travel to, and you see that, how successful it is, and you say, you know what, I think Whittier should have something like that. Or growing up, you've said, you know what, Whittier really would benefit from something like this. Um. So, I, I don't know how to answer that question. I think that the biggest challenge for me in the past was working with the city. Uh, you know, getting permission to do things and, and getting them to see a vision. And uh, But I have to say that the city council that we have, the mayor that we have today, and the city council that we have today, I think is the finest that we've ever had. And um, and now I'm not doing as much here. And I wish that I had this city council, this mayor that we have today, uh, back when I was really active and busy here. Um, it would have been so much easier. Um, uh, I think the biggest challenge for me in the past and what drove me away from Whittier uh, was uh, is that challenge of getting all the entitlements and 
you know, getting things approved and, you know, um, uh, you know getting your buildings to be allowed certain types of uses. Yeah. And that's, that's still a challenge today. Uh, but, but really, I'm super impressed with the city council that we have today. Uh, I've never been able to say that ever, uh, but I can say it today. Yeah. And so that's, that's encouraging to me. Um, I don't know if that answered your question or not. Yeah. No, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And, and again, it, I mean, you've seen it. I mean, you've been around longer than we have in terms of yeah. be in, involved with the city. Yeah. So you've seen it grow. Uh, you've seen the challenges. Um, obviously, you've learned to uh, work with Power those challenges. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And again, it, it's, uh, we've only seen it from a superficial right. uh, standpoint. I would like to also see you know, more support for the, for the police department. Uh, I think we have a great great police department and there needs to be more community support for them um uh when we had king richards uh, we used to host the uh silver shields award ceremony for the police department uh for quite a few years and Ladonna from u.s bank used to head that up uh she's a wonderful gal and she she would head that up for the uh with your police department and and there's some great people in our police department um uh, I, I just I think it's a shame that this woke agenda is really uh, taking our country where it is. We got to get back oh. to our foundational values again yeah. as a country so and as a city. It starts in, the, in your communities first. Definitely, definitely. So, uh, any plans for a King Richards Part Two or or uh, or King uh, King Mark or anything? Oh. <laughs> Well, I try to do uh, <laughs> I try to do an artisan building too up in Cordelina, Idaho. I bought the old Elks building up there. It was like thirty six thousand square feet, and um, and it didn't have any parking. So I started picking up parking lots around around the area, and and then I got sidetracked building some more restaurants inside some of those properties. And uh, so I got some really cool restaurants going up the, up there, uh, and uh, a brewery and a uh, uh, a a brick oven pizza place called fire it got voted uh um best uh uh bar and restaurant in the whole northwest the pacific northwest which included seattle and wow. in portland and all those areas which uh yeah, right there in Coeur d'Alene, idaho and downtown wow. and uh so i got attracted to that because the downtown area is fantastic and lots of history and nice. great structures and but um uh yeah, I had to sell the Elks building, unfortunately, and um, and help them cast a vision for it. I was going to call it the Arson Building Two, um, and and today those guys that end up buying it uh, have, have they've done a phenomenal job. Uh, I kept all my parking around it, so they st- <laughs> they still don't have a single parking space, but they have uh, over. 50 or 60 offices in there with a big, huge conference rooms, a coffee house and a private uh, uh, clubhouse uh, that's uh, uh, members only type of place with a cigar lounge and all kinds of really neat things. It's a it's a really popular place called the Innovation Den now. Uh, But they've done a great job with I I wish I had that now because that'd be that'd be my arson building in Coeur d'Alene. There you go. Well, Mark, thank you so much for your time, sharing a lot about Whittier. Uh, anything else that you maybe you have going on that you'd like to share or maybe things that we can expect to see here in Whittier that you have going on that if you can share, you can oh, open to share? I, I have a project I'm working on. Um, I don't know if I'm ready to share yeah, it. Well, I was, uh, was going to say, it. how about we leave it for the next time? Okay. We when once you get yeah. it going and uh you know you have it operational sure. uh we'll we'll come back and uh and do a conversation on you that. Bet. Yeah. My heart will always be here in Whittier and I got too many friends and relationships and important people in my life here to to be gone all the time. There you yeah. go. Awesome. Well Mark again, thank you for coming on. Uh it was long overdue. Uh, in terms of bringing you on the podcast, but we're looking forward to the next one. I didn't think but, I would have anything to share at all. Yeah. But you guys make it easy. So, uh, it's you been an hour so already. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, again, Thank thanks you. again. All right. And Bye, Woody. Until next one. See you later, Woody.